Our scripture reading from, uh, for today is taken from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40. I'll read verses 28 through 31. Listen for the word of the Lord. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thanks be to God for the reading and the hearing of this portion of his holy word. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. To you be all praise and glory as we pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This summer, Kathy and I and our family will observe a 30th anniversary. It is not a wedding anniversary. We will celebrate our 51st wedding anniversary next week. This will be a different kind of anniversary. 30 years ago, on August 7, 1993, our world was changed forever. While returning home from a, a time with our extended family at South Padre Island, an 18-wheeler crossed the median and struck the car in which our 16-year-old son, Sean, Kathy's mother, and our 11-year-old niece were riding. All three were killed. Kathy and I witnessed the accident from another car immediately behind them. On what was to have been the, the first day of his junior year in high school, we did what no family should ever have to do. We buried our child along with my mother-in-law and our niece. Ernest Hemingway once wrote that life breaks us all and afterward, some are strong at the broken places. He was not talking about faith, but he described beautifully, I think, what it can bring about. When the bottom drops out, does faith in Christ make a difference? I do not claim originality in what follows and acknowledge that I am drawing heavily from the work of others. However, I do claim that what I will say is a witness coming out of personal experience. Before we look at our scripture lesson and talk about how faith makes a difference, there are two preliminary and foundational things I need to say. First, God didn't do it. God didn't do it. The God and Father of Jesus Christ, the God in whom we place our trust, doesn't go around calling, causing terrible tragedies like ours. God doesn't devise plans to take the lives of children or adults prematurely. God didn't kill our loved ones or cause it to happen. The biblical witness of faith is clear that while God does have a plan for people's lives, that plan is always positive and good and in their best interest. It always has to do with how that person can live life fully into the glory of God. So please, 
Don't ever say to us what the medical examiner at the Corpus Christi Hospital said that day. He said, God had a plan for your loved ones that included this, and he needed them for something else. We have never believed that, and we still don't. Why didn't God miraculously intervene and keep it from happening? I don't know. The second preliminary and foundational thing I need to say is that God has been with us every step of the way. From the early actions of figuring out how to get us home when we were obviously in shock, to getting our car home, to friends meeting us at the airport, to folks bringing us food and doing other things for us for a very long time, to the church giving me the needed time off, to the annual conference providing the grief counseling we all needed. In so many ways, beyond what I can even remember, for 30 years, God has worked in and through people to make an incredible difference in our lives and bring us the healing only God can bring. All right. Does faith make a difference when your faith, how does faith make a difference when your world is shattered? We need to begin by considering what we expect from our faith. I think a lot of people are victimized by false promises and false expectations. Somehow they've been led to believe that things ought to happen in a certain way. And when those expectations are not met, disillusionment and disbelief and despair set in. This is what happened to C.S. Lewis, the great English writer and professor of literature who became one of Christianity's most insightful interpreters. Lewis, single until his mid-50s when he married Joy Davidman, had to watch his bride die from cancer only three years after their wedding. In a little book titled A Grief Observed, which he wrote following that experience, C.S. Lewis acknowledged that at first he was deeply disappointed in what his faith had meant to him during that time. By the end of the book, however, in his usual perceptive way, he realized that the problem was one of expectation more than experience. He said he had certain notions of what ought to happen, and when those specific things did not happen, his disappointment almost blinded him to the things that were occurring. Our scripture lesson from Isaiah 40 is important in, in, that regard, in this regard. As you heard, this passage contains the famous promise that those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We have been helped by this promise of divine help. But notice, the help promised is described in three forms. Not all of these three forms of help should be expected in any one situation. This is crucial in saving us from false expectations. First, there's the promise here that God's strength will take the form of ecstasy, enabling you to mount up with wings like eagles, to soar away in an atmosphere of sheer exuberance. This is certainly a valid dimension of Christian experience, and, and we've known such moments of joy and celebration. Yet for all its reality, if you were to conclude that this is the only way <clears throat> God gives his strength to men and women, <clears throat> 
you would be vastly disappointed in the kind of tragedy through which we have walked. Now, I know there are people who will tell you that faith can make everything easy and who claim that any time you pray, you rise up above your problems until they appear small and inconsequential. We don't believe it. There are times in the depths of human suffering when the soaring of ecstasy, the soaring of ecstasy is simply out of touch with reality. And if this is your only form of only expectation, the only kind of divine strength you can acknowledge, you are sure to feel betrayed and forsaken in the darkness. God does not come in this way to that situation. A second way that God's help is described in our text from Isaiah is strength for acting. They shall run and not be weary. Here's another valid shape of Christian experience. The inspiration to do a job or solve a problem or to get on with some task. We're certainly familiar with this experience too. Our faith has often motivated us and empowered us to work long and hard. But again, this is not the only way we experience God's help. If it were, then the depths of pain and suffering would still be a place of disappointment and despair. Because sometimes there is simply nothing you can do. This is the way it was for us. Probably the hardest thing of all for us since we saw the truck leave its side of the road has been our, utter, our sense of utter helplessness. If only there had been something we could do that we, that we could do to change things. But there was not. There was no way we could prevent it or fix it or even help. There was simply no way to run and not be weary. Fortunately, there is one other form that the promise of God's strength takes. They shall walk and not faint. I suspect that to some, this may sound rather insignificant. Who wants to be slow to a walk, to crawl along inch by inch, just barely above the threshold of consciousness and not faint? That may not sound like much of a religious experience, but believe me, where we have been, it is the only form of the promise that fits. When there is no occasion to soar and no place to run, and all you can do is struggle along step by step to hear of a divine help that will enable you to walk and not faint is good news indeed. It not only corresponds to the limits of the situation, it also speaks to the point of greatest difficulty to just hang in there, to endure, to not give up in one way or another. In a situation like ours, the most demanding challenge of all was the challenge of being able to walk and not faint. There are some who feel that the sequence of this Isaiah passage is backwards and that the highest form of God's help ought to be the soaring of ecstasy. They say it should read, first you walk, then you run, and finally you mount up with wings as an eagle. But I think, I think the writer knew what he was doing when he put the promise as he did. For sometimes the most difficult thing of all is not soaring or even running. It is simply keeping on keeping on. When it seems that you're going to crumple under the load, 
pain away. I can honestly say that the gift of enduring, the power to hang in there, the strength to walk and not faint, was what we needed most. And because we were willing to settle for it, so little and yet so much, I can honestly say that our faith has made a difference. In fact, it has made the crucial difference. It kept us from giving up. Well, that's how it's been. And here I am this morning, nearly 30 years later, still bearing in my spirit the wounds of the tragedy. We will always miss Sean and Doris and Amy. You never get over it. But by the grace of God, I'm still on my feet. I did not keel over into the paralysis of despair, and I'm here today to give thanks to God for that. My faith made a difference. Let us pray. Oh God, our help in ages past and hope for years to come, thank you for your loving presence and for the strength you give us. Help us to accept the gift and to share your love with others. In Jesus' name, amen.